Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. This episode is in partnership with Mountain Valley Spring Water. It's one of our favorite water companies. We serve it at our events and we seek it out when we are at the grocery store. We get it delivered at home. We have a great deal going on with them throughout the end of May. If you go to pineapplemountainvalley.com, you can get 40% off three months of home delivery. That's $85 for six cases of water. Get it. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Hi there. You're listening to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. I'm one of your hosts, Atara. And I'm your other host, Ariel. And we're the founders of Pineapple Collaborative, uh, which is a community for women who love food. We have events in four cities across the country. We just launched in LA a few weeks ago, which we're really excited about. And we have a guest in the house today who is from LA, was with us at our launch. So we're really excited to see you in DC. Welcome to Holly Liss. Welcome, Holly. Hi. All right, we're going to introduce Holly more thoroughly in just a minute. But before we do, it is our time to check in with each other, me and Ariel, on all the things we've been loving in our pantries and kitchens. So, Ariel, what have you been digging lately? Yeah, so um, I posted this on my Instagram stories last night, but I uh, discovered a new pasta um, called Pastaio Via Corta. I'm probably mispronouncing that because I don't speak Italian. Uh, but she um, makes this beautiful stone ground wheat bronze cut pasta uh, 45 minutes outside of Boston. And I was in Brooklyn this weekend at my friend's wedding and I saw it at Marlo and Daughter's uh, Great Grocery in Williamsburg. So I bought these shells and made a really yummy sunchoke pasta with them last night. Delish. Sounds like it's earthy and yummy. <laughs> yes, definitely. What um, else did you put on the pasta? Yeah, it was made with sunchokes and uh, dried rosemary and thyme, you know, with my Daphnis and Chloe herbs. Can never get off of that stuff. Gotta have it. Uh, Breadcrumbs, also the smoked chili flakes from Daphnis and Chloe, some fresh Italian parsley and Parmesan. It It was gold. So Daphnis and Chloe, we've mentioned in this segment before, um, is a uh, herb company, Urban Spices, uh, from Athens, Greece, from our friend Evangelia. And they're delicious. You can order them online. And it's Miss Good Herbs on Instagram. Totally. Atara, what about you? Yeah. So like Ariel mentioned, we just got back from LA not long ago, or just kind of coming up for air after that trip. And it was magnificent and awesome. Uh, And we got to visit Cookbook Market in Echo Park, which is this really nice neighborhood grocery store. Um, And I picked up pretty much like an entire suitcase filled with things, including this little bottle of chili oil, that is absolutely delicious. Um, so if you're traveling to LA, if you're in LA, go visit Cookbook Market. It was started by Marta Teigen. Um, and it's really cute and just everything is delicious. Gems everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and I'm sure Holly is well familiar with it. Yes. I mean, did you guys smuggle in the citrus? Because that's like the best part about California. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> I actually have a golden nugget uh, tangerine in my purse from Cookbook Market. Perfect. <laughs> Atara asked me when we were in LA, she's like, do I have to declare this? And I was like, <laughs> California is the same country as like, DC. It feels like a different place altogether. Um, but I thought that was pretty priceless in terms of like <laughs> thinking about what's available in California and LA totally. versus DC. I mean, the produce in California is just insane. Cool. Well, Holly, we want to introduce you so our audience gets to know you. Um, and so, in short, you're a social media magnet. Um, you started your career building out social strategy for brands that we pine for, mm-hmm. uh, from theory and goop uh, to the infatuation. And now you've built your own company in List uh, with two S's where you lead social storytelling for clients and help them build out strategy and teams. And some of our favorites like Missy in New York, yeah, um, as well as I think Helen's Wines too. Helen's Wines, I shot for them a long time ago, but yes. Okay. Well, you can tell us about who some of your amazing current clients are but you know you work with the best brands the best people in food fashion and beyond so we're super excited to have you thank you in the studio and to learn from you all (laughs) about digital social storytelling and your food style Mm, thank you thank you and we always talk about this uh on radio and beyond but it's really cool to be in the studio with someone who's not only talking to our audience of entrepreneurs but also like directly to me and Ariel, who are building pineapple our own business so it's so cool to have you here happy to be here thanks guys all right we're gonna jump right in so holly can you please tell us about your journey with food where did you grow up and what was food like in your family growing up yeah i mean food for us was always the center of our home um it's where we always gathered around had a great conversation um my mom is full chinese and my dad uh, was jewish so we always had like a really kind of eclectic table whether it was like you know stuffing instead of doing stuffing on thanksgiving we had chinese sticky rice there was there's always this like blend of this ethnicities in my life um and my mom, even though you know she worked a ton, she always made time to kind of cook her favorites that she grew up with. So food was always a part of sort of my life um, growing up. But I feel like I really got into restaurants when I moved to New York. Um, I lived in LA most of my life. I went to UCLA. Then right after I graduated, I was like, I gotta go to New York. I need that energy. I need that culture. And that's actually when I discovered the infatuation was when I was living in New York. And it was like back in the day, like I want to say like 2009. I feel like I found them on Twitter probably like DM Shmooey at some point <laughs> um, and I really used the infatuation as a way to really get to know New York and I wouldn't go to any restaurant unless they gave it over an eight um, wow. I was like religious about it um, but I remember I was first introduced to like really incredible th- food through the infatuation specifically Laura Tuesday I think they gave like a 9.2 and I was like oh my god this is my backyard how did I not know about this place and so I really kind of you know the infatuation really kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone in terms of, you know, I started to go to Red Hook to check out this restaurant. Or I started to, you know, go uptown and go to Barney's Greengrass and all these different places. So I feel like I really started to understand, like, how chefs can really sort of make your sort of mouth go wild, um, sort of eating my way through New York City. Amazing. And how about um, 
you know, your career in food slash digital storytelling? How did that start? Yeah, um, that was such an interesting kind of journey that I went through. But um, when I, so I actually started in fashion. I didn't even initially start in food. Um, You know, I launched Humbling in theory social media back in like 2009 when like, you know, Facebook wasn't a business and people still cared about four square check-ins and influencer wasn't a word. Like there were like five bloggers doing everything for me for free on a Tumblr that I managed. Um, And so that was just such a fun space to be in. But you know, I really got into sort of food being part of my career when I moved to Goop as their first social media director. And that was the first time I got to really sort of explore sort of recipes and what that meant to sort of bring those to life on social. Um, and that was sort of my entry point into then eventually working with Infatuation um, when I left Goop. So that was sort of my journey into food and really um, it's been such an incredible experience, kind of understanding how to talk about food from a recipe perspective versus a restaurant perspective. It's like two totally different things. Right. And, and what year was it that you started with Goop? Yeah, Goop back in uh, 2013. Wow. So like in a little over five years, the landscape of social digital storytelling, not to speak of like your theory years, has changed yeah. drastically. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. And I think, you know, Instagram is such a beast, right? Like they have really taken sort of the best parts of the other social channels and brought it all into one. So they were like, sorry, YouTube, we've got IGTV now. And like, too bad, Pinterest, now we have saves. And like, okay, Snapchat, like we got you, we do stories. And so, I mean, the purpose of Instagram is, you know, they really want to kind of build community, but they also want you to be on the platform for as long as possible. And so, you know, it's been really interesting to kind of continually pivot your strategy based off sort of the new features that are launching and really figuring out, okay, what makes sense for my brand and what's going to really push us forward and to really think through, you know, thoughtfully when you should hit IGTV or when you should do stories because, you might have a strategy and then Instagram will drop something new and then you'll just have to like redo it all over again. And I think that's sort of the beauty of social in a way is that everyone is continually learning. Even though I've been doing this for like 10 years, I feel like I'm still learning every day something new. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we have to constantly learn that lesson, which is like, yeah, we have this piece of content. What is the best platform? What kind of audience are we trying to reach and how do they want to engage with this content? Totally. And you can have one idea and one message you want to kind of sort of bring out to your audience and really tell them your story, but you have to figure out how to translate that message in ways that make sense for your Instagram feed versus story versus IGTV and really giving people different pieces of your brand, but still really make sure it speaks to that same voice. Mm-hmm. Totally. So this whole industry like has come about in the last 10 years. When you were entering into your career, did you want to be in storytelling or like what did you want to be and now that you know new things unfold every single day like how are you seeing your career and the business you're building yeah I mean it's so interesting everyone's like how did you get started I'm like it was literally a happy accident and sort of a mix of right place right time and in 2009 when I started like it was kind of just in the middle of the recession and at that point you know Helmut Lang wasn't really interested in sort of investing in that traditional traditional sort of ad sort of you know spend and so I was like hey guys I'd love to launch our Facebook it's free they're like oh, okay sure like as long as it doesn't cost us anything go for it and I really built the community in six months and really saw this opportunity I'm like okay well there's something here if I can just create a strategy and sort of push along what we're doing and maybe I'll really be able to build community for this brand and so I had an incredible boss 
um, that really kind of pushed me forward and really believed in me and trusted me um, and sort of like it call kind of snowballed from there and then sort of more things were handed my way like okay you handle the live streaming of the runway show and app development and sort of became this like digital girl of the company but it was all sort of on accident I think really having an incredible boss that believed in me really gave me access to grow um, but in terms of sort of where the business is going today I think it's just super important to always kind of listen to what people need um, and you know I have like a menu <laughs> quote unquote of my menu of services for Enlist um, but I'm constantly tweaking it sort of based off the different needs and I would say kind of the biggest trend I've been seeing lately is that um, everyone is really looking for great social people and to bring them in house and I am such a believer of social being run in house because it's so transparent mm-hmm. um, I think and maybe because I look at it all the time I'm like I can tell that's not someone from the in house community ah. sort of answering back to things or even just visually you can sort of get a sense when you start to feel like it's sort of this farm or they're using the same people over and over to build their creative and all that good stuff so um, I would say just always being open to pivoting and really listening to people and sort of seeing where the needs are and kind of shifting your business along with it. Cool. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, in your journey at Hellman Link specifically yeah. that you were really, your goal was really to build community. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that Arielle and I meditate on all the time, which is like, what does community actually mean when you're, you know, talking about like your digital strategy? So what does community mean to you and how can brands more authentically build community yeah I think you know it all starts at sort of your authentic point of view and really trying to figure out who you're trying to target and aligning yourself with people in your space that speak to the community you want to be a part of so I think that having those conversations amongst your founder whoever you're building your business with is a really important place to kind of start Um, I think you also need to kind of lead the charge with your community so really talk about topics or really talk about your mission or your values and bringing people that also believe in those things into your world. Cool. And I have one more question that I think might be hard and it's something that we've been grappling with, uh, which is if your goal is to be like an inclusive space that has people from so many different backgrounds with different perspectives and ideas, what does it mean to like be a community that has one kind of value set? Mm, good question. Um, I think it's also figuring out your sort of mission and your purpose um, and really diving into that and really owning that um, and having that unique point of view because there's a billion accounts out there from, you know, really niche accounts to really kind of like broad accounts. And I think really just owning sort of who you are, what your perspective is, what your point of view is, and like honing into that message day after day, post after post, story after story, that's really going to help you guys also continue to build a really specific brand and point of view that people are going to want to follow and digest every day. Yeah. So speaking of a unique point of view, going back to Goop, um, (laughs) I think this is a brand that has one of the most unique points of view out there. And they've done, they've evolved so much from when she started with the newsletter, you know, back in 2008 or whenever it was to the, you know, multi-millionaire or, you know, multi-million dollar company lifestyle brand that they are today. And so you served as social media director there for a few years. So I would love for you to tell us about that experience um, as well as like what you learned as the company was growing during your tenure. Yeah, um, that was such an incredible experience because sort of 
graduating from Helmut Lang, I was really looking forward to working at a startup. And at that time, Goop was very much a startup. And they were sort of rebuilding um, the company from the ground up in the U.S. because it started in London, um, you know, out of Gwinnett's Kitchen. And I came in and I launched their Instagram for them. I was the first person to ever sort of come in in general to really run social strategy. Um, And so I got them to almost 200K in under two years. And um, it was such an incredible experience um, because at that time we had to be super scrappy um, and there wasn't a ton of budget to invest in like, you know, sort of high touch, you know, photography. And so I really used this opportunity um, to sort of shoot a lot of the content myself because I knew it was going to perform well on social based off of sort of studying it sort of year after year. Um, Because when I started, they're like, here are all the assets. And they were like one-by-ones for newsletters. And I was like, that's not going to work on Instagram. So I'm just going to need to reshoot all of this stuff. But, um, you know, I learned a ton from affiliate marketing to, you know, launching a pop-up shop um, to really understanding how to also work with kind of influencers in a really organic way while being at Goop. Awesome. What's an example of that? Like how you worked with influencers in an organic way? Yeah, so... Goop back in the day had this sort of, you know, closet shop, if you will, with different celebrities. And I don't know if you guys remember it, Um, but, you know, working with sort of these incredible people we have relationships with and doing something good. So anything we sold from the sort of closet shop all went to charity. Um, So that was really an organic way to kind of tap into the network that we had and build something on social and build a movement, but also be able to give back. Mm. Yeah, and the goal is like giving these people a platform to uh, engage with their own personal mission while also having it live within the Goop ecosystem, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, So tell us a little bit about like the challenges that you saw at Goop as well as some of the opportunities. And this can also be large, more largely about the challenges of building a lifestyle company in general. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're working at a company that's asking questions that no one's ever asked before um, or bringing to attention sort of different healers or experts that um, you know people have never heard before, that can be sort of controversial. And what I think Goop's an incredible job is giving light to these topics and really giving a platform for a lot of these sort of experts in this space to really have a voice um, and be able to share their story. And what I love about Goop is that they're constantly discovering, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether people have opinions about whatever it is that they're talking about, they're still giving the space to have those conversations that people aren't having everywhere else. Right. I mean, I think in this age of, uh, you know, so much content being available at your fingertips, it's really hard to be the trendsetter. And I think that Goop is very much that. And that's a really hard thing to accomplish. Yes, definitely. So moving on to the infatuation, because that's where you headed next, which is its own ecosystem of a brand. Um, What was that experience like? And what did you learn there? Oh my God, the infatuation. Talk about community. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Andrew and Chris, the founders, did such a good job of building this incredible, like, hashtag eats, five E's, um, community back in the day. Um, so it was really fun to kind of come in and be able to build it and really sort of built off what they had already created, really kind of go from, you know, one Instagram account to 24 um, in the span of over three years. So that was just such an incredible experience to understand how to scale globally on a social level um, and how do you sort 
sort of create that brand consistency from a voice perspective, um, from a visual perspective, still really fill the needs of the editorial team and the partnerships team, and really know that there's one voice behind infatuation kind of LA versus infatuation Paris reviews that all sort of come from the same place. So that was such an incredible experience um, to really see how engaged the Eats community is and whether it was, you know, through a post, um, you know, on Instagram or bringing them together in real life at EatsCon. It was just such an incredible um, experience to see how community can really be activated. Totally. And I think what Ariel and I pay attention to with both Goop and the infatuation is this idea that like both started as uh, kind of community initiatives and grew out into this larger business without a previous blueprint with a very kind of unconventional path. So what did you learn about the business of the infatuation and uh, what did you take away from that? Yeah, I would say even the business of infatuation and the business of Goop is like they are both incredibly authentic and have their own point of view and they know how to speak to their community and their audiences really listen to them. Like Goop, before they were selling stuff, they had built this insane audience um, through their newsletter and people just trusted them. And I think it's really this idea of trust, whether it was through reviews um, at the infatuation um, or just trusting sort of Goop's recommendations. And to build audience trust is probably the most valuable thing you can do in building a brand or a business. Yes, totally. Um, It's community, trust, loyalty, mm-hmm. authenticity. These are all words that brands are throwing around left and right these days, but it has to be part of the DNA from the start, I think, in order for it to be felt as it grows. Absolutely. So now you're the founder and CEO of Enlist, <laughs> uh, which is your company. Yes. Please tell us about um, what you're up to yeah. and what the vision is yeah so the vision is really I just want to help brands and businesses that I really believe in um, and kind of bring their story to life on social it can be such a daunting thing um, whether you're a startup or you are a brand that's been around for a while and you just kind of want to revamp so you know what I kind of do is five things so I really focus on strategy um, support and building people's teams, workshops, and content creation. But the magic, I think, and what I'm doing that's maybe a bit different than um, what else is out there is this kind of strategy and support model. So kind of really coming in, working with their teams, building strategy, but then sort of coming in as like an acting social director, if you will, and really helping people feel supported to execute this in-house. And again, I'm such a believer of like, In 2019, you should be running your social in-house, but let me help you kind of bring it to life and build a foundation and framework on which you can succeed. I think that's a really powerful tool to capacity build with small businesses who really don't know where to start. (laughs) Um, And I have to say that uh, in, you know, my previous work, I've worked with a lot of agencies uh, who, you know, did social strategy and other kind of brand strategy work. And I think like it was in their best interest to not set the business up for success in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, So I think it's really cool that what you're doing is like showing them the strategy and getting them to a place to do it themselves. Yeah, totally. Because it's also like, that's the long term, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't need me forever. Like, how do you guys then have the tools and then be able to kind of go out there and just sort of run with it? I think that's awesome. And so now that like the digital social influencer world is like 
at least like 10 years old, let's say, right? Yeah. You know, being a first mover, like goop, like the infatuation, like Glossier, like mm-hmm. it's hard to do that today because Instagram's so established. Like everyone knows what an influencer is. So like how does one, like what are opportunities to be a first mover today, if any? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm always like, when people ask me that, I'm like, just be first. Whatever it is, just <laughs> yeah. be first. Like, yeah. if it's the new Pinterest that's coming out, just be first. Because, you know, I've seen so many people who were first in Pinterest or were first in Instagram and now have built incredible businesses off of that. You know, like one of my clients or former clients, uh, Amber Interiors, was one of the first in the space to really sort of use Instagram to kind of build her sort of like aesthetic and she became a designer sort of out of her social following Um, just how incredible that is today now she has an entire team and all these different businesses but um just be first that would be like my Mm -hmm. first like point of advice yeah I mean, it's interesting because we've been talking to like different investors as we're thinking about growing pineapple and, you know, what advice we've heard time and again is, you know, one, be first. And it's (laughs) like, well, what, where can you be first? Is it IGTV? Like, is it a new social platform that, you know, none of us really know about yet? TikTok, whatever. Right. Yeah. But the other thing that, you know, we've heard is that as much as you're selling a product as like a consumer facing business, Mm -hmm. you are managing influencers. And he's like, if you can, there's one investor in particular who's like, if your influencer strategy is like coupled with your, you know, product sales, or if like you can, if that's like two and two together, I know I'm kind of explaining it in a weird way but he's like it's as important your influencer strategy and having that be part of your company's dna as is like selling products and it just like has stayed with me in terms of like whoa like is this the era we're living in where like to sell whatever it is like you have to be you have to have an influencer strategy yeah and i think what's interesting about that is that like influencer is really just like also an extension of your community so like who do you want to sit with at the schoolyard i always feel like it's like the first place like social is very much like who do you want to sit at the table with at the schoolyard so figuring out who those people are on social that aligns with your sort of brand and your sort of mission and really kind of you know giving them product or giving them really kind of organic ways to share the product so it doesn't feel like hashtag ad i feel like that's like the word thing that you could do is really make your sort of product feel hashtag ad on social so what are those sort of like organic ways to bring them into your world whether it's through an experience will they'll be sort of organically sharing and talking about the brand um you know however you can kind of organically bring influencers into your world and extend your community that way i think that's like a really good sort of you know four-way into the space yeah totally and you know building off of ariel's question which i think is a really good one um at the same time, you know, we're seeing that brands are managing their influencer network and their community, but they're also becoming influencers themselves. I mean, one thing we've been loving from Bon Appetit is the way that they really make their staff their celebrities. Yeah. And I think it's so powerful because it helps their employment brand. It helps humanize the brand totally. in really cool ways that connects to their own community. So what advice would you say for a brand that wants to make their own people shine and kind of become influencers themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of pride in working for a company and, you know, everyone that works for a company should really kind of see themselves as brand ambassadors if they're public on social um, and taking that with 
sort of um, pride and excitement. And I think it's such a good tool to build sort of company culture um, and get new people into your mix. Like, oh my God, look how cool it is to work at Pineapple. Like, I want to work there. Look at all these amazing events. And it really feels organic when the people that are working for you are actually sharing it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, we're going to end off with a fun question. Oh. Um, And I'm going (laughs) to preface this by just explaining that uh, one of our kind of guiding theories at Pineapple is this idea that uh, for women, food is how we express ourselves. It's how we express our style, even more so than our closets, our beauty cabinets. Everything for us is about food. And so one thing we really loved about you and your journey and who you are is that you are this like, nexus between fashion and food in a way that is like kind of hard to explain but like very viscerally cool oh thank you (laughs) i'm honored oh god (laughs) so can you tell us a little bit about how food plays a part in your own style and expression in your own life yeah um you know i'm really drawn by different textures and colors of food um, it's so funny. I have this one jumpsuit and I'm, I'm not wearing it now, but one of the gals at Sweet Green that I work really close with, she always like, oh, it's your pistachio green jumpsuit. And so I feel like there's this element of color and texture and design that sort of organically comes out of food that I'm really inspired by. Um, and even the beauty of like a watermelon radish. Um, and my fiance, Nick, has definitely introduced me to all the radishes of the world. But um, seeing the beauty of that and really being able to bring it to life visually in a spread, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> is something that um, I find a lot of joy in. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're going to uh, kick it off to the Spitfire round now. And we're going to close out our session with Holly. Um, and we thank you so much for being on the show and sharing all of your advice about growing a community digitally and in real life, about authenticity and building trust within your own community. Uh, it's certainly very helpful for us at Pineapple and I'm sure for our audience as well. It's totally like an industry that I think can be so opaque if you're not in it. You're like, how do you do this? Uh, but what's really inspiring about your story and your career is you know, you were interested in this medium and sort of were in it and observing what's working, what doesn't work and have been able to build like a really impressive resume and um, so much to show for it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, you know, social is very much an art and a science and again, a place where it's constantly changing. So as long as you can kind of pivot and stay open um, and always, you know, be willing to learn more, you'll succeed in this space. Awesome. Thank you, Holly. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ready for the Spitfire round? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> First question. Um, a woman you pine for in food. Oh, hmm. Jessica Coslow. <laughs> uh, us too, to be honest. Uh, your go-to pantry and fridge item. So two different items. Mm-hmm. Current pantry item is nutritional yeast. I'm obsessed with putting on popcorn and on salads. It's insane. Ooh, salad. Um, yeah, it's it's a good hot tip. Um, in my fridge, I'm really into this like sambal that I got from Tokyo. Mm. Um, I just have to say, I love the revival of like 70s hippie food. I feel right? like nutritional yeast is very much a Bragg's is of so that. hot right now. So hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, your all-time favorite restaurant. Oh my god, that's like the hardest <laughs> question. Are you kidding? You can mention a few if you want. Okay, I, I would have to like pick per city. I can't say all-time <laughs> favorite because that's just like way too hard. Yeah. Um, I would say like 
one that's very meaningful for me in LA is Felix. Um, it's where Nick and I had our first date, uh, and he's cooking at our wedding. I've been oh, funky. Wow. I'm so excited. So wow. maybe that's my all-time favorite right now. <laughs> Love it. Um, your favorite farmer's market? Oh, Santa Monica in L.A. It's so special. Mm. <laughs> Is it a Wednesday or a Sunday? Does it matter? You know, I'm more of a Wednesday girl, you okay. know? Gotta go see Alex Weiser and those radishes. He's the best. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Uh, lastly, where can our audience find you? Oh, you can find me on social um, <laughs> at Holly List. Um, it's my personal, my company one's at Enlist with two S's. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Holly. Uh, please go and check out Holly on Instagram. Check out her business, Enlist. She's awesome. Um, and we are so grateful to have you with us. You can check Pineapple out on Instagram at pineapple collaborative or pineapplecollaborative.com. Leave us a review if you love this show and we will shout you out in our next one. And thanks for listening today. Thanks for having me.